Let's sing it again. I am my beloved's and he is mine. And over me is love. I am my beloved and he is mine. Banner over me is love. Amen. Thank you, Lord. His banner over me is love. His banner over me is love. Praise the Lord Jesus. <clears throat> Thank you, Lord. Let's turn to Revelation chapter 1, if you would, tonight. Revelation chapter 1, verse 19. Aren't you happy to be in church tonight? Amen. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Most of us have survived the holy days or holidays, whatever you call them. Thank God when they're past. Revelation chapter 1, verse 19. Write the things which thou hast seen, and the things which are, and the things which shall be hereafter. The mystery of the seven stars which thou sawest in my right hand, the seven golden candlesticks. The stars are the angels of the seven churches. And the seven candlesticks which thou sawest are the seven churches. How many believes in sevens, 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 and more sevens? Let's pray together. You like to be remembered in prayer tonight. Just raise your hand there to the Lord. Remember me as well. I've not been feeling very well today. Lord Jesus, we thank you, Father, for the opportunity that we have to come into your presence once again. We count it such a great privilege, Lord. We ask tonight, dear God, that you would help us. That you would take your word and make it so real to our hearts. We thank you for this evening light, this bride time, that we've been given the privilege to live in this day. Lord, the things that we hear, the things that we're allowed to set into the presence of God and hear the word of God being spoke about, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Paul, Peter, those men longed for the day when the end time and its mysteries would be revealed. And here we are. This is our time. We thank you so much, Father. We pray, Lord, that you would just help us tonight. Ask that you speak to us from your words. You saw the need of every individual that was uplifted, Lord. We pray that you'd be mindful of those that are traveling about on the holidays and the highways. May you <clears throat> bring them back home safely, Lord Jesus. I ask you that you'd help me tonight, Lord. You have not felt well today. I just pray your anointing will come. If you'll come, I'll be fine. I just pray that you'd help us. May we be able to look at the service and think, wow, what a wonderful time it was to be in the presence of God. And the saints said, Amen. God bless you, may be seated. Brother and Sister Lauer, glad to have you all with us again tonight. God bless you. I want to speak to you again tonight on the church. How many is glad to be a part of it? Amen. God in his great wisdom <clears throat> decided to break up dealing with the Gentile church into seven ages. We know that there's basically eight dispensations that God started dealing with man in the beginning, beginning with innocence, consciousness, Noahic covenant, on down, on down, until we come to the millennium, and then we go from there into the eternity. But God also decided 
to deal with the church and divide it into seven ages. Now, we know that because we are a prophetic class of people, certain things that we say is very, very common to us. To a lot of other people, it's very strange and very weird. Coming with that, around this type of a message, you're going to tend to have more fanaticism. You're going to have more things that's more strange and different and weird because it leads uh, to that type of a setting. You know, you go to a Baptist church, they just talk about the cross, the blood, God understands why you can't live right and all the rhetoric that they go through. But when you set under a word to where you've had a prophet to come, to be able to break in to the heavenly realms of God and catch the very mind of God, that lets you know right there the devil's going to do everything he can to cause so much fanaticism. But don't let the fanaticism discourage you. To me, it only proves to me, again, that this message is the truth. Because it's not around anywhere else like it is around us. But in that, then there always be types and shadows and things that people will try to make more out of than what the prophet did. Or they will de-emphasize things that he did emphasize. And it takes the Spirit of God to help us as the people of God to be able to find a proper balance in what we're looking at. Now, God knew the church would be that way. And God intended for the elect of God to be delivered in every age. Yet he shined the light of God and every age according to the amount of word that would be revealed they would be identified with that the elected here it be sealed away it go on to another age then we arrive to the Laodicean age and we believe the Laodicean age is the last age right so if there is a bride age and there is then the bride age will have to fit in somewhere in the increment of time of the Laodicean age Notice this now, let me read you a few things. I know you don't need this many proofs, but I'll read them to you anyway. In Daniel 70th week, now we find ourselves beyond any shadow of a doubt in the Laodicean age. We know we are. We've come through the Lutheran age, we've come through the Wesley age, and now we're here on the Laodicean age, and it's what? How many is after the last? None. None. Now, we realize that there are people around us who want to take the quotes of the eighth day and they try to make the eighth day quotes an eighth age, which is not the same thing at all. Now, we do believe in an eighth day. As a matter of fact, I've been enjoying it for a long time because that's when our souls get birthed into eternity. But the eighth day is not an eighth age. Because there are no eight seals, there are no eight thunders, there are no eight stripes of blood on the door, there's seven, 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 everything is seven except when you come to certain things in God which are eight because eight is the number of new creation. So it definitely would not fit here now only in that which has been become a part of the new creation which is our soul. Notice investments in Phoenix. And we found out now that we're coming in our age. And any Bible teacher knows that the last age of Pentecost is Laodicea. Laodicea means woman. In the Greek, a time when women take over. And all the sisters said, well, I'm not sure that was all of them, but at least some of them said amen. But now that don't talk about you sisters because you're not under that influence. But notice it over and over and over again that Brother Branham emphasizes that the Laodicean church age is the last age. So there cannot be another age after Laodicean. So if there is a bride age, where will it fit? 
right at the very end of Laodicea. Notice again in the first seal, the Laodicean church age is the last age and the messenger, the seventh angel, which is the seventh messenger to the seventh church age is the fellow that is going to reveal by the Holy Spirit all these mysterious things. So if there is an eighth mess, an eighth age, there is no eighth messenger. Unless, of course, some of these guys who are preaching an eighth messenger want us to believe they are him. Well, automatically, I have a problem with that. Because I, you know, I, I knew a little bit about arithmetic and math and algebra. And I know that seven is the completion. I know that God never had another eight age. So a lot of these guys that are trying to lead us that way, they're trying to lead us to follow them. I'm not interested in following them. I want to follow Christ the Word. I'm not interested in marrying any preacher. I don't care how great they are. I'm not interested in marrying any man. I want to marry the Lord Jesus, don't you? What's this in marriage and divorce? The Bible prophesies and says that in this day these secrets would be made known, Revelation 10. And at the sounding of the seventh angel, the Laodicean messenger, the mysteries of God would be made known. And this is the last age, which is Laodicean. Notice now, marriage and divorce, which is after he's already talked about the eighth day. So when Brother Branham, now we know this question of the bride age and the eighth day is not really a scriptural one because the scripture does not even use these terms. So it is a message question. Then if it is a message question, we should be able to go back to the message and resolve it. Well, praise the Lord. Because if it is a message question, then there ought to be a message answer. And there is. Notice in the Ephesian church age. But thank God... In the last age, there will be a group rise up, and that's us, the true bride of the last day, and she will listen to the Spirit. In that day of gross darkness, the light will return by the pure word, and we will return to the power of Pentecost to welcome back the Lord Jesus Christ. So it ain't just going to be doctrine, it's going to be power come along with the doctrine. Amen. The true church Jesus claims is his own is the true church of Acts chapter 2. It's the same spirit of God living in us today. So if there is a bride age, let me emphasize it again, and there is, then that bride age would have to fit in the time frame of the number 7. But we also know that there can be people who are currently split between 7 and 8. And that is that they are a new creation by the new birth and eight is the number of new creation. So in their soul they've already crossed the line of time and they're in eternity by the Holy Ghost but yet their bodies are still in time. Not only will they be that way in the seventh church age, they will be that way in the seventh dispensation of time which is the millennium they will have already crossed over into the eighth. You understand? Notice now, Brother Ben 
calls it several different things. And again, these terms are message terms, are scripture terms. He uses this one. He only uses it once. But in God's provided place, the evening lights have come. It is a fact that God and Christ are one. That was the beginning of it. That's talking about when the evening time started and it was under the revelation of Acts 2.38, the water baptism. And he said that was the beginning of it. Now she stayed right on into the bride light. So there is bride light, bride time, bride age, calling out of the bride. Many terms that he identifies as bride, but they all speak of one thing. And that is the emphasis at the end of Laodicea that God is focusing mainly on the bride. Now is God dealing with the first version? Of course. Is God dealing with 144,000, getting them in their position ready to be born in a day? Yep, he sure is. But the main focus of God's heart right now is getting the bride ready. So he sent bride light in bride time in the bride age. And it all fits exactly right if we leave it just right where he placed it. Now notice this. He used this in bride time several times. Then along come the Pentecostal brethren. Then come back in their age of the restoration of the gifts. Restore back the gifts. Speaking in tongues. The gifts of healing. Things to the church. Now they did just exactly what the scripture said they would do. And when they did, they manifested it. That's exactly right. But did you realize we're moved on from that? We're in the bride time now. So we're entered in, where are we now? Where are we now? Fixing to enter in 2019. Where are we? Well, according to him here, it was already in 1964, January the 25th, 1964, already identified as bride time. You imagine? We've been all these years in bride time. Bride time, bright light, bright age, manifestation of the bride. What is it? The very closing out of Laodicea, right at the very end, where Satan will come to the full fruition of his kingdom. God will also come to full fruition of a bride that's living and manifesting the word on the earth. That's right. Notice he said, so we're in the bride time, the selecting time. The time that the bride there said, and the caterpillar left, to Joel 2.28, all the caterpillar left, the palmer worm eaten, all the palmer worm left, the locust eaten. And notice, now you'll see then it is the bride time. Are we the only ones? Not by any means. God is dealing with all kinds of folks, but the main focus is what? Bride time. Because it is bride light. This is why we cannot ripen under the ministry of Pentecostals. We cannot ripen under the preachers of, of Catholicism or the preachers of Baptists or Methodists or whoever more. It is bride light. Bride light ripens bride seed and it coincides with bride time which puts you in the bride age which is going to lead you to a body change for the bride. Sounds like your time has arrived my brother and sister. Notice recognizing your day and God has recognized there is a people on earth that he predestinated to life. He recognized this is the time to send his message. He's did it. The people has recognized it. The bride time has recognized the evening light. So God sent bride light, placed the people in that positionally so they're in their bride time and they recognize bride light by being in the bride time which identifies them as being in the bride age 
Amen. The bride time has realized the evening light. If Sodom had recognized her days when she'd seen those messengers come down there, like Billy Graham and Oral Roberts. Aren't you glad though that God has opened your eyes and your messenger didn't come and go, but you recognize it by the grace of God. I'll tell you one thing, you should not just be grateful for that, but you ought to be so grateful to God that you can be around this message and still keep your balance in the scripture. Because you see, some have been so staggered by a message of this caliber, a message of such phenomenal and supernatural that they still cannot be able to divide him from Christ Jesus. And they deify the man. You ought to be grateful tonight that you can recognize this message and not deify the messenger. That's right. He's just the postman. The message comes from God. Notice the seed's not air of the shuck. You cannot do it. It's seed time or bride time. So we're not shuck time. Now we came out of the shuck and we know that God is allowing different people. Maybe there's some still in the shuck but as far as a whole, the bride herself is being cast out. Now when Brother Branham was here, she was cast out of the Pentecostal people. But you also know now that while it was there being identified that there was a message message that was being formed. And there's many around this message that will not go in the rapture, friend. I hate to tell you, but you already know it. They'll be identified with this move and that move and this man and that man and they'll fall in love with them men and marry them instead of marrying the word. That's right. But yet they will cannot go in the rapture. They cannot be in the rapture. They'll go right straight to the tribulation period. But for the most part, the bride has been expelled. But the last expelling that the bride will get will be from inside our own ranks. It will be from message people who's making an idol out of Brother Branham or those who theorize their own opinion of what the thunders mean or what this means and they put you out if you don't believe what they believe and if you don't come to our church and stream our pastor's sermons and boy you're out. Well, that's got to be here. So when they throw us out, they'll throw us right into the arms of Jesus. That sounds like why I want to be anyway. So you realize every age had to expel the, the move of God, the life of God in order for it to advance to the next stage. It's the same with us. So Alex, we must be expelled. We've got to be rejected by the world. We've got to be rejected for the most part. We're already rejected by Pentecost, Charismatics, Baptists, and most of them. But there's got to be a move around the message of the hour. And there's been others come, but there will be a coming together of those. And they will expel. And well, you're not bright if you don't do this, and you're not bright if you don't do that. And they're expelling the bride, getting her ready right for the rapture. Hasten the day is what I say. Notice he said the bride time has realized the evening light. Seeds not there, the shuck. Can it go? No, it's a seed time or bride time. The shucks are dead. The shucks are dried up. The virgin word time. Virgin word time. Notice now when he says this time, it's an allotment or an allocation of time that God has allowed for a certain thing. So he called it bride time, virgin word time, seed time, but it's all pointing to exactly the same thing. It's the finale of God's program of the Gentile churches in the last day. Notice a virgin word time. Not touch it to virgin. Remember a virgin word time. If you put it in the hands of a denomination, it sure won't be virgin. It will be manhandled time you get to it. Now may I say it's not just so in the denominations out yonder, but the denominations around our own ranks. 
Oh, come on. You might as well say amen. Them same old spirits has got right among us and try to make this group and that group and that group. And well, they know who the bride is and this is the bride and that's the bride. And if you don't do what they say, well, you're not bride. But I'm glad they don't hold the book of life. My husband's the one who holds that. No man does. So if it is manhandled, then it cannot be a virgin. Notice again, God's provided place. If I taught you a Methodist message, it would take no effect on you. This is bride time. Now I realize there's an element of people around the message that get offended because we're constantly preaching from the message of the hour and because we're tying the message to the scripture, the scripture to the message and we're referring to where we are. Look for it. I, I don't know what else that we're supposed to preach except for bride time. This is bride life. When I was in Pentecost years ago as a young Pentecostal preacher, if that did not bring me to a harvest time and a harvest cycle of ripening, how would it bring me to that now? If you was a Baptist years ago and it did not bring you to that place of genuine satisfaction in the soul, how can the world can it ever bring you to that right now? It cannot. There's only one thing that will bring us to the rightening and that is bride word. Bride word, bride time, bride light, bride age, bride preachers. Praise be to God. I know you might as well go and accept that there's some preachers around this message that are preaching it. They're not a bit more bride preachers than I'm a jackrabbit because they don't preach bride message. They're emerging of Pentecost. That's all they are. They're just a little further advancement of Pentecost. Bride preachers preach the end time truths. Bride preachers are preaching. Sure, we reach out to the other. I'll reach a hand to any man, whether he's bride or not. But when it comes right down to it, I'm called to preach a bride message. I'm not called to go out there to credit for old dollars people. I'm not called to go out there to Benny Hinn. They wouldn't like my preaching. I'm not called to be a Pentecostal preacher. I'm called to be a bride preacher. Are you called to feed on bride word? Amen. Or you might go visit your grandma's church and your aunt and uncle's church and you sat there and say, Lord have mercy. I can't believe it. It does you good every now and then to go. It'll make you appreciate what you've got actually. And when you come back and you say, thank you Jesus for the truth. Why? You're sitting under bride time. That's right. And of course it is, as Brother Adam called it, it is the bride age. Now notice this, he said it would take no effect on you. That's why you go to a Pentecostal church. It would take no effect on you because you're bride time. You live under bride light, you're under bride age. If Moses taught the message of Noah, it would take no effect. If Jesus taught Moses' Moses' message, it would take no effect because the predestinated seed are laying there that will only be watered by that type of water that's give for that seed. See, it won't grow in any other condition. It must be the condition that grows it. Praise be to God. Oh, Brother Donnie, don't you think that we need some of them Pentecostal guys to come in and bring us some revival? Why don't you go out here and get some of these people out here? They've got revival. They ain't got no revival. They've got an intellectual gathering and a bunch of emotion. The bride light, brother, needs bride water. How can a Pentecostal guy carry bride water? He ain't even drinking from bride water himself. We need bride water. We need bride revival. We need bride seed. We need bride time, bride light. Well, glory to God. So you agree with me then that we're in the seventh age, the end of it. Now let's look at the number eight. 
as we looked at it a few weeks ago, the numerics of God are very, very important. We know that God reveals himself in threes, in sevens, in forties, in fifties, and many multiplications of those forms. But God also uses other numbers that aren't quite as frequent, such as ones, of course, fives is, is grace, but yet sevens is perfection. But God uses eight. Now, God uses it in strange and peculiar occurrences, but it is still a number that God uses. Leviticus chapter 12, verse 1. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Speak unto the children of Israel, saying, If a woman have conceived seed and born a man-child, then she shall be unclean seven days. According to the days of the separation of her infirmity, shall she be unclean. And in the eighth day, the flesh of his foreskin shall be circumcised. Now watch eight. Now, after the woman gives birth to a boy, then she's going to be clean. Now, if she gives birth to a girl, she's going to be unclean a lot longer. But it's actually the circumcision of the son that will bring his mother out of this state. Oh, glory to God. Out of this state of uncleanness. And the girl, of course, they did not circumcise. So the girl, she would remain there for weeks on end. But the son himself would actually bring to an abrupt halt the uncleanness of his mother through what? His circumcision. So then it was on the eighth day that the male children were circumcised. Then the number eight is a new beginning. It is a new beginning now for this child. It is also a new beginning for his mother. For seven days she's been unclean. Day one, day two, on up to day seven. But on day eight she enters into a new state. Well, praise God. And that is she has become cleansed because her son has been circumcised. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Well, the earth itself has been unclean for all these years, but on the eighth day, she gets cleansed from fire out of heaven will come and God will circumcise the earth and the new city will come down from God out of heaven. So what's then eight speaks of new creation or cleansing. What's now the cleansing of a leper in Leviticus 14, 8? He that is to be cleansed shall wash his clothes and shave off all of his hair and wash himself in water that he may be clean. After that he shall come into the camp and shall tarry out of his tent seven days. Now notice the time. But it shall be on the seventh day that he shall shave all his hair off his head and his beard and his eyes eyebrows, even all his hair shall he shave off, and he shall wash his clothes, also he shall wash, notice now, in fresh water, in fresh water he's going to bathe, all the hair removed, he shall be clean, and on the eighth day, now notice this man may have had leprosy for six months or for a year or whatever more. He'd come back and the priest was constantly looking at it. But whenever the priest has finally determined that the leprosy has scabbed over and he's turned to the direction of wellness, then he has a cycle of days. And that is, he goes in, he stays in the tent, he stays there for seven days. Well, he starts in this process of sanctification. Under sanctification, he's removing this hair and that hair and cleansing this and that and the other. But on the eighth day, on the eighth day, he shall take, he, oh glory, take. 
two he lambs. Notice now, it's not the ewe, it's not the female. Two he lambs without blemish. And one ewe lamb of the first year without blemish. And three ten steals. Now notice threes and sevens and eights. Well, what if this the guy decided, you know what, I, I, I believe this is a bunch of nonsense. Why in the world do you need three of this and two of this and one of that and seven of this and eight of that? What difference does it make? It makes a difference to God. And if you want to be cleansed, you follow God's program. Notice, three-tenths deals of fine flour. Three-tenths deals. Well, why not use tenths three deals? Because you're going to be in the bad end of the deal. Right. Three-tenths deals of fine flour, not regular flour, but find a flour that was ground and ground and ground and ground. For a meat offering mingled with oil and one log of oil. Now if you're going to be cleansed on the eighth day, you've got to go through all of this, what seemed like my, such a rigmarole to bring it to pass. But this is what God said. And what was the eighth day for the leper? A new beginning. Amen. It spoke of a new beginning. The seventh day he was still dirty. The seventh day he was still polluted. But the eighth day spoke of a new beginning. Leviticus 23:33. Speaking of the Feast of Tabernacles, and the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Speaking to the children of Israel, saying, The fifteenth day of this seventh month shall be the feast of tabernacles for seven days unto the Lord. On the first day shall be a holy convocation. You shall do no several work therein. Seven days you shall offer an offering made by fire unto the Lord on the eighth day shall be a holy convocation. And yet there isn't eight days. Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. And then what do you do when you leave Saturday? You go back to day one again. But day one is counted eight when you're in these feasts. You see, when we leave the Feast of Tabernacles in the millennium, we go back to day one again. Eternity. Before time began. Now what? Seven days you shall offer an offering made by fire unto the Lord on the eighth day. Now remember, this is what Brother Branham reads when he preaches the sermon, Future Home. Now here is where he introduces the message term that so many have taken and preached the eighth day. Well, now they've turned it into an eighth age, which he never even said. They've turned it into an eighth age, which they say now requires an eighth messenger. So they think it's either Brother Joseph Branham, Brother Vin Dial from Trinidad, Brother Joseph Coleman from New York, this brother, that brother, that brother, that brother, that brother. Nonsense. There is no such a thing. Right. Now watch. He says, you shall offer an offering made by fire to the Lord. It is a solemn assembly, and you shall do no several work therein. Now notice in verse 38. Beside the Sabbaths of the Lord, and beside your gifts, and beside all your vows, and beside all your freewill offerings, which you give unto the Lord, also on the fifteenth day of the seventh month, which ye have gathered in the fruit of the land, you shall keep a feast unto the Lord seven days. And on the first day, 
shall be a Sabbath, and on the eighth day shall be a Sabbath. So now some years that might fall on Monday, some years it might fall on Wednesday. So God is simply allocating from the day that it starts. If this year it starts on Monday, then you count on over to eight and the eighth day will be a holy convocation. Well, next year, whenever you have this, it may start on Tuesday. So if it starts on Tuesday, then you count Tuesday, you count eight days, the next year, Wednesday, the next year, Thursday, you understand? So God is simply saying, saying that this law is given for generation after generation after generation and it will not always be on the same day every year. What is complicated about that? Now you understand in the beginning, uh, we'll go to it of course back into the millennium, there will be 360 days in the year. No more than 365 stuff. Read the book of Genesis and you'll find out in the flood and you take the 40 and the 40 and they add all that to it. They were under the 360 days then. Now watch. You shall take on the first day boughs of goodly trees, branches of palm trees, and boughs of thick trees, and willows of the brook. And you shall rejoice before the Lord your God seven days. So this is signifying the time when they come out of the land of Egypt. This is what the Feast of Tabernacles are. So whenever you all get settled down and you build your houses, I want you, when this comes around the 15th of Tishri, when it comes around this time of the month, you're going to move out of your houses and you're going to take boughs of trees and branches and build a temporary shelter move into that shelter in the millennium I mean in the feast of tabernacles can't you see how that typifies you being in the millennium that you would have been in heaven you would have been there with the Lord Jesus no doubt already seen that city already seen the paradise of God and then we will leave there come back down here on the earth in the millennium under what the feast of tabernacles and we will build our own houses why? It's the Feast of Tabernacles, which is number seven. But then after seven, you roll into what? On the eighth day, you go back into eternity again. Amen. Praise be to God. Notice King Solomon, 1 Kings chapter 8, verse 64. The same day did the king hollow the middle of the court that was before the house of the Lord. For there he offered burnt offerings. Now this is when the temple is dedicated to God. And meat offerings and the fat of the peace offerings because the brazen altar that was before the Lord was too little to receive the burnt offerings and meat offerings and the fat of the peace offerings. And at that time Solomon held a feast. And all Israel, listen, now remember the Solomonic kingdom was a pre-conclusion of what was going to take place in the millennium. It foreran the millennium coming. Notice, he says, there was a great congregation from the entering in of Hamath unto the river of Egypt before the Lord our God. Seven days, amen, and seven days, even 14 days, and on the eighth day. He sent the people away. And they blessed the king and went into their own tents joyful and glad of heart for all the goodness that the Lord had done for David, his servant, and for Israel, his people. 
So Solomon, after the dedication of the temple, notice the Lord Jesus, after the dedication to anoint the most holy, which is the millennium temple, after we come to this, what we will do, we will go back into the eighth day. Time will cease to exist. The white throne judgment will annihilate, of course, all of those sinners. The fire will come down from God out of heaven, destroy those that go up against Gog and Magog. And then Satan will be thrown into that place where he's belonged forever and ever. There he will go and those will be destroyed and annihilated. It will be time no longer. And what will we do? We won't bless Solomon. We'll bless the Lord Jesus. We'll bless the Lord God of heaven. Amen. Notice how odd this one is in 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 4. For if God spared not the angels that sinned, but cast them down to hell, and delivered them into chains of darkness to be reserved unto judgment, and spared not the old world, but saved Noah. The eighth person. Now in our mind, we would think it'd be proper to make him the first one. But isn't it strange that Peter identifies him as the eighth person? Lord children, could you imagine what an unusual, strange thing it must have been when the Spirit of God moved on Noah and finally the door was opened up and they let the animals go out. The birds, of course, start flying around from tree to tree and they're singing. The sun has warmed the earth. Now the mud is, is pretty much all gone and now the waters are all gathered together in our state as we know it now. And you step out on the earth and there's only eight human beings on the entire earth. The preacher of righteousness. The eighth man. Glory to God. The eighth person. What was it? A new beginning. And it come from what? A preacher of righteousness. It wasn't a song player. It wasn't a piano player. It wasn't a harp player. It was from a preacher. Well, praise be to God. Now, let us, can we go a little bit farther? Let us look at the eighth day from the perspective of, of the message itself. This from the future home, paragraph 213. All right, let's take that last feast, which is the Feast of Tabernacles. Now, you notice in the 36th verse, which is the one we just read, seven days shall you offer offerings made by fire unto the Lord, and on the eighth day, on the eighth day, there shall be a holy convocation. There is another time coming. Holy convocation of the union. You shall offer an offering made by fire to the Lord. It is a solemn assembly. You shall do no several work therein. Now we got an eighth day. And there's only seven days, but we speak of the eighth day. Holy convocation, convocation. Do no work in it. The eighth day, what? Back to the first day. That's why the eighth day can never manifest itself fully in the seventh church age. It can't manifest itself fully in the millennium. Eight has to follow seven. Well, you say, Brother Donnie, this ain't very deep. No, but it's simple. Anybody ought to be able to understand it, even an idiot. So if you can't, you're, you're lower than that. So that don't speak well of you. Notice back to the first day why it speaks of eternity. So the eighth day speaks of eternity. How in the world could we ever get an eighth day messenger then? 
it speaks of eternity as she rolls around without a stopping place amen do you see it congregation says Notice it was also upon this eighth day, last day, feast day of the tabernacles. After the last feast day, after the last church age, after the last complete sevens upon the earth, after the millennium, that this holy convocation comes. It's totally impossible for it to happen in the Laodicean church age. So, Brother Mark, where do we get all these illusions? Where do we get all this division? Where do we get all this stuff? Preachers adding to what the prophet said. Just preach it like he said it, and we won't have all this stuff going on. Right. Remember, this is the Feast of Tabernacles. He says it again for emphasis. Tabernacles, gathering places. Amen. Where in the millennium, the Bible said, they shall build houses. Oh, glory. But in the new earth... He has already went and prepared the place. It's built. You imagine? It's built in the eighth realm and yours ain't even built in the seventh yet. It's the difference between time and eternity. Here we are in the seventh church age fixing to wind up. We've got the tribulation period, we've got the millennium and the eighth day city is already done. Oh, glory to God, the streets have already been laid, the gates have already been hung, and the angels of God are standing there breathlessly waiting for the inhabitants to throng her city. And yet we've still got all this element of time here to come to pass before that can ever come down. Oh, I love this word, don't you? Notice this, in the new words, he has already went and prepared the place. You notice now when Jesus, and whenever he gets ready to leave, he said, behold, I go away to prepare a place for you. So heaven was not built, the future home, while Jesus was here. Oh, you said there's heaven, that's right, but there's a difference in heaven and the future home. There's a heaven, and then there's a heavens, and then there's a heaven of heavens. Paul went to the third one. The devil has walked in heaven, but he ain't never set a dirty foot in that heavenly city. Demons can go before the throne of God and accuse you, and the devil can go before the throne of God and accuse you, but there ain't one devil ever be allowed to set one foot inside that bride city. Praise be to God. He went away for 2,000 years. We'll look at it later on the weekend. But for the last 2,000 years, he has been creating this city with all the gold and the silver and the emeralds and the jewels and the pearls that are so gigantic that every gate is one single pearl. Praise be to God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Notice this, it's built. We have nothing to do with the building of it. Amen, eternal. Oh, he said, oh, I just love that word. My holy convocation the eighth day, which is only seven days. Then on the eighth day, which comes back to the first day again. Comes right back to the first day. The eighth day is a holy convocation. Notice seven days only has to do with old creation. I love the way he says this. World time. 
Seven days, that's the millennium. The rest days, God labored six days, rested the seventh. The church labored six days and rests the seventh. Look, you're answering exactly what he done. He labored 6,000 years and rested on the 7,000th. The church has labored 6,000 and will come right up, praise God, against sin from the fall in the Garden of Eden, and we will rest 1,000. And then we go into eight. Notice this. Oh my, he said, and the rest, the seventh, but you're still in the time element. I ain't speaking of the eternal, but you see, there is no such a thing as eight days. You go back to the first day. Again, see, the first day. The holy convocation when the bride, oh my, and the redeemed of the earth will enter into the eighth day. Amen. Eight days deals with new creation. See, not old creation. Eight days is new creation. So those of you that's got the Holy Ghost in your soul, you're already in the eighth day in your soul. But your body's getting fatter, uglier, sicker. Why? Because it's still in the seventh church age. But a part of you has already moved into eternity. Notice this. It was on the eighth day that our Lord raised from the dead. There's your holy convocation of the holiness, not considering the Sabbaths at all or the Feast of Tabernacles, Feast of this, Feast of the Pentecost. Jesus raised from the dead for our justification on the eighth day. After the seven Sabbaths or seven days, seven church ages, Jesus raised from the dead, the eighth day, which is a holy convocation. Notice he's not calling it now an age, but a day, a day, glory. See, you've done had passed through time and dropped into eternity again. Not keeping of days and keeping of Sabbaths and new moons and things like that. That's why this body can never do it until we get a body change. Oh, praise the Lord. Notice the eighth day Jesus raised for our justification. The eternal king and the eternal kingdom to be baptized into to eternal life. Not seven days. Has nothing to do with any of the days. It's speaking of another eternal speaking of an eternal time the world that I'm speaking of that's why there is no eighth messenger it's nonsense brother Bram never taught any such thing the eighth day is eternity Notice after 50 days or seven Sabbaths from there, again there come another holy convocation. What happened? The Holy Ghost fell on the day of Pentecost on the seventh, he says, or eighth day. So you know what that puts? That puts Peter, James, John, Bartholomew, all those brothers and sisters that was in the upper room in the first church age in time that put them by the baptism of the Holy Ghost in the eighth day by new creation. Don't think you're the only one that's experienced the eighth day. They got it 2,000 years ago. 
Amen. What was it? New creation. That's why Peter could say to him and said, These men ain't drunk as you suppose, seeing it's but the third hour of the day. But this is that was spoken of by the prophet Joel. It was not Brother Branham that taught that we're new creatures in Christ Jesus first. It was Paul that taught that. It was Jesus who taught that. So you imagine right there in the upper room, the Lord Jesus baptized each of their souls and carried them over into the eighth day into eternity and said, now devil, try to get them now. Why? They are sealed back, well, right back to the first day again. That's the eighth day, my brother, sister. For those of you that's got the Holy Ghost, your soul is there tonight. Praise be to God. Praise be to God. So seven Sabbaths after Jesus raised from the dead, the Feast of Pentecost, which was seven weeks, what happened on the day of Pentecost? The eighth day rolled around in their souls. Notice again, future home, this is your holy convocation. Not anything to do with the literal thing. It's beyond that. It's into the kingdom of God was eternal life. With the predestinated that never did start, look out devil. It never started on any day. You wasn't saved on any day. You always was saved. Amen. Jesus come to redeem that. But you were saved from the beginning because you had eternal life to begin with. Oh, that choked some of our message, folks. Praise be to God. So Peter was in the eighth day. Paul was in the eighth day. As a matter of fact, every child of God that's truly been baptized with the Holy Ghost since Pentecost has been enjoying the eighth day in the first church age, second church age, third church age. And here we are in the seventh church age enjoying the eighth. In the millennium, we will have our eighth day body, glory to God, enjoying our eighth day experience in an eighth day body in a seventh day house. Imagine that, in a glorified body living in a house that you built. That shouldn't be hard for you to understand. You're doing it now in the natural type. You've done moved into eternity. So what is the eighth day? It's eternity. Oh, I know it chokes folks to death, but I'll tell you one thing. I love it myself. Oh, you wasn't saved on any day. You always were saved. Jesus has come to redeem that, but you were saved from the beginning because you had eternal life to begin with. Can I go on? Notice this in paragraph 453. And if you've crossed... Lord, children, listen to this. If you've crossed from that seventh day into the eighth, you got into the eternal by the baptism of the Holy Spirit. So it's not listening to this preacher. It's not been identified with his doctrines and his creeds and so on and so on. But when you are baptized by the Holy Ghost into eternal life, you have moved into the eighth day in your soul. Oh, I'm going to read that again. If you've crossed. 
cross. Oh, think what a what a statement. If you've crossed, what a sermon title. If you've crossed from that seventh day into the eighth, you got into the eternal by the baptism of the Holy Spirit. You got into the eternal. That's what the Jews call Adonai in the Old Testament. They would not pronounce his name because they was afraid it would be a misreference to his name. So they referred to him as the eternal. If you have crossed out of the seventh day, you have crossed into the eternal. The eternal is not a place somewhere. It's a person. Glory be to God. Hallelujah. It's the almighty Adonai, Jehovah. If you cross from the seventh day into the eighth, you got into the eternal by the baptism of the Holy Spirit. You're included in this. Now, if you're just trusting upon a sensation or jumping up and down, or I do this and I keep my seventh day and I don't eat meat and things like that, that's going to perish. But this is the eternal. This is the eternal, the feast after the feast of tabernacles. The feast of tabernacles was the last feast, the seventh feast. We're worshiping now under the feast of tabernacles. The seventh church age. And we worship under the feast of tabernacles in the millennium. The seventh dispensation of time. But after the sevens are all done, we roll back into eternity. You see, we were a step ahead of the earth. The earth got baptized. And the blood dripped on her. But she ain't got the Holy Ghost yet. And in the millennium, the earth still won't have the Holy Ghost. That's why that the surface of the earth will be changed by atomic power, but many of the geological scars and the things that's in the earth will remain there until the eternal glory. When the eternal will cause it to burn for hundreds of miles, however far it will be on the surface of the earth, and he will make her a new creation. Then the earth, blessed be the name of the Lord, the earth will move into the eighth day as you have already by the grace of God moved into the eighth day. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Sinners can live on the earth in the millennium and Satan will be allowed to gather his people after the millennium is over. So the earth is still in the stage of sanctification and she can backslide or the people on the earth can backslide. But once she moves into the eternal, there is no more backsliding. Same with you and I. In and out, up and down. Well, I want to serve God today and tomorrow. I'm not sure. You're still in time. You move into eternity, your backsliding's over. Woo! Notice then, but this is the eternal, the feast after the feast of tabernacles. So there are people on the earth whose souls are in the eighth day. You're looking at one. I believe I'm looking at some here tonight. Can't you understand why you don't feel at home in this world anymore? Can't you understand why you don't feel at home in this body anymore? It's in the seventh, your soul has done moved into the eighth. Can you compare, imagine comparing living in the millennium to the eighth day? 
Can you imagine your soul being caught up in heavenly places when we come to church and you're the word and we worship and feel the presence of God? We don't even want to leave. We don't even want to leave that presence, do we? And we leave and we walk out them doors and we got to talk and we got to fix something and all this is wrong in the family and my car's tore up. And and when we leave that atmosphere and we got to deal with family problems, But can you imagine one day when the earth itself is also baptized into the sphere of eternity? You say, God, Brother Donnie, why don't God start all over again and make a new earth? He can't. This earth is one of his attributes. Her name is written in his book. Show me Mars' name in the Bible. Show me Jupiter, Pluto, Neptune. Show me. God calls her name and refers to it as a her. Why? God needed a place to sow his seed. You sow your seed in a female. Well, glory to God. God wrote her name in the book of life. Thank you, Lord Jesus. That's why this earth, I don't care how dark it gets, how wretched it gets, how black it gets, she is one of God's attributes. She will never be destroyed. She's a redeemable attribute of God. Praise be to God. So then in the millennium, there will be people here in natural bodies, people in glorified eight-day bodies, all living under the same time frame of seven millennium. The eight-day people will appear and disappear. Travel like a thought. Well, praise God. That'd be really nice right now if we could do that. Wouldn't it, Brother Andrew? Brother Andrew just got back from New Zealand, flying 15 hours from, from the West Coast down to Australia, 15 hours on one plane. Oh, that's a long time. And yet you could be able to text a brother there and in a matter of seconds he could be able to get it. But God's reserved that type of thought travel to the millennium. Now he could travel that way when he was here. He walked right through a wall, Right? You imagine you're standing there talking to seventh-day people in seventh-day bodies, but you're an eighth-day person in an eighth-day body, and all of a sudden the command from the Jerusalem calls you up higher, and you just poof. Praise be to God. Friend, this is not a story. This is not from Walt Disney. This is from the Bible. Notice this in Satan's Eden. Remember, you're not long ago I was teaching on the seven trumpets, the feast of trumpets and so forth. And I said there is an eighth day festival. Now notice this is, this is uh, what is the date? 829.65. A year after Brother Brandon preaches the future home. And he's still preaching it with the same continuity. Not saying there's an eighth age and there's an eighth messenger to come. But there is an eighth day festival, so the seventh day would be the last. That would be the millennium. But there is an eighth day festival, which if it was the eighth, there's only seven days. It would make it the first day again. Come right back to the first day. Then after the millennium is over. So anybody wants to tell you that we're in an eighth age and there's an eighth messenger and so on and so on and so on, you know the truth of it. After the millennium is over. Oh, Brother Donnie, the millennium's going on right now. Really? 
Oh, I'm disappointed. My goodness, and yet we were snowed out of church a couple of weeks ago and couldn't have snow, or church rather, and the prophet said there'll be no winter in the millennium. Hey friends, I want to spiritualize everything that's spiritual, but I want to naturalize everything that's natural. You ain't taking the millennium away from me that being a spiritual thought. It's a thousand years, literally. After the millennium is over, then there will be an established Eden again. God's great kingdom will be taken back because Jesus fought it out with Satan in the Garden of Gethsemane and won back to Eden, which he's gone to prepare in heaven to return again. Up in heaven, he said, let not your hearts be troubled. Let's stand. Let not your hearts be troubled. Ye believe in God. Believe also in me. For in my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go away to prepare a place for you. And if I go away, I will come again and receive you unto myself that where I am there you may be also praise be to God don't you love him tonight friends look if you have not moved into the eighth day I'm convinced I don't want to be the bearer of bad news but I'm convinced many of the message folks they've grasped brother Branham They've grasped the message. They listen to tapes. Their God is the tapes, really, for a lot of them. Their God is the doctrine and the theology of the message. They debate it, argue it, fuss about it, and everything. But they've never entered into the eighth day. You can only get there by not listening to tapes. I know it's been purported from headquarters that the tapes are the token. That is a lie. I say it again that is a lie. Brother Brandon never taught us any such thing. If that's so, Jesus died in vain. God should have let a tape hang on the cross and spare Jesus all that suffering. The token is the literal life of the sacrifice from the Lamb of God. Nothing else. Don't you see it's easier to get a tape than it is to get the Holy Ghost? Don't you see it's easier to go to buy a long skirt and the women to put on a long skirt than it is to get the Holy Ghost. Men to pull an earring out of their ear or maybe clean beer out of the refrigerator. It's easier to do that than it is to get the Holy Ghost to cross over into eternity. Oh, but friends, don't be deceived. Let God carry you over into the eighth day. How will I know, Brother Don? How will I know? Well, I explained it to my two granddaughters the other day. Em and Ellie, just little bitty old things. Well, they're probably about this tall now, but. <laughs> and I explained it to them this way. Ellie was asking, how do you know, Poppy, when you get the Holy Ghost? I said, well, Ellie, it's sort of like this. There's a glass laying out in the barnyard. The cows have been out there, the chickens, the horses. There's manure all over it. There's straw, there's dirt. Yet, you go out there and you see that glass and you reach down and you save it. Pick it up. You just save the glass. But I said, Ellie, would you want to take it in the house and put milk in? She said, No. 
I said, neither does God want to put the Holy Ghost in somebody who just got saved. So I said, what do you do? You take it in the house, you run water and soap in it, you wash it and you wash it. If you're real finicky, you'll probably drain that water out again and wash it again and maybe two or three times. But it's still empty. So you set it there and it's a washed, clean, saved, sanctified glass. But you've got to put it in service. So you put milk, water, Kool-Aid, whatever it is you like to drink. Then you take that glass, press it to your lips. You don't press the milk to your lips. You use that glass as an instrument by which the contents can be transferred from it. Think of what we are, children, as a temple of God. Going to church, wonderful. Playing tapes, wonderful. But there's a lot of folks playing tapes that still got manure all over them. They got straw all over them. Folks going to church screaming, hollering, amen, amen, amen. And maybe they're sanctified, but they're still not filled. But when you get filled, you move, your soul moves from time. And God crosses you over into eternity and dips you down into eternity. And you are a new creation in the same old temple. So eight is new creation. So whether it's circumcision of a child or a leper being cleansed, or a person receiving the Holy Ghost. It is a new creation. Can you get sick? Of course. Can you make mistakes? Absolutely. But you can never, ever go back to the seventh again. Praise God. That's real eternal security. That ain't the Baptist version, that's the God version. That's right. Don't you love him with all your hearts? Let's bow our heads together if you would. I just wonder tonight in the visible audience or invisible. Maybe there's some here, some that stream the service, some that go back and archive it. And maybe you know that you, you just don't have it. Or maybe you're uncertain. You'd like to be remembered tonight before the Lord. No one looking around. Just raise your hand to God. You just want to be sure. That's all. Friends, it's the most important thing in your life. It's more important than the job. More important than your family. More important than anything in this life. Is to know that you pass from death into life. That your soul has moved into eternity. Into the eighth day. And your soul is where it was before time, before the foundation of the world, back in tune with the eternal. No doubt many of you have already crossed that span. But maybe you feel like you need strength tonight, encouragement for the journey, healing in your body, healing in a family member, maybe marriage problems or whatever more. You'd like to raise your hand to God? Your request is different than the others it raised. But our Lord God is mindful of all of us. I'm so glad he don't take us to the eighth day and then forget about us in the seventh. We couldn't handle it. My soul never gets down, never gets weary, never has bad days. It's always good, but my body sure has some. You understand what I'm saying? 
But he is so mindful and he loves us so much. He not only prepared us for the eighth day, but he made healing, deliverance, peace, power, and all of that for the seventh while we're here making the journey. Praise God. Would you turn and lay your hand on that person standing by you? Let's offer prayer one for the other. Believer. Believer to believer. Eagle to eagle. Oh, Father, as we stand here tonight, blessed one, we believe, Father God, that our souls has moved beyond time into the realm of the eternal. Oh, how blessed we are, Lord God, to have moved beyond the dark shadows of humanity into that realm where the soul never dies. And Father, some raised their hand that they were uncertain. They just wasn't sure the Father they want to be tonight. Lord God, they don't want to question and guess. Guesswork is not what we want. We want absolution. Father God, I pray you'd help them. Then, Lord, many raised their hands that they believe they've passed over into the eighth day. But they need healing in their body, peace in their home, trouble in their marriage, trouble on their job. Maybe they're going to a doctor this week to hear a report, and you know what that report will be, and it might not be very good. So we need faith, and we need courage to help us when we hear those bad reports. Lord, you didn't leave us here without these things, but you said you'd comfort us. You're our paracletos. That is one that comes alongside to help us in trouble and difficulty. I ask you to minister to the sick. I ask you to minister to the discouraged. I ask you, Lord God, that you'd minister to the wife whose husband is wavered. Or the man whose wife is wavered. Or the mother and father whose children have turned away from your truth. Oh, blessed God. May your presence, I pray, move among us, Lord Jesus. We love you, Heavenly Father. We believe you're the same yesterday, today, and forever. If you ever heal the sick, you can heal the sick tonight. If you ever cast out devils, you can still do it tonight. Because you're that same Lord Jesus. We call upon your mighty name, Lord Jesus. Minister to the needs of your people. We worship you, Lord God. How we long for the day when the seventh will merge into the eighth. When time will be no more, our bodies will embrace the same thing that our souls have embraced. The prophet tells us in Christ the mystery, it will be eternal life in a human body. That statement is so profound. Eternal life. In a human body. Our hair will look human. Our skin will look human. Our eyes will look human. But it will be eternal life. And when we've been there 10,000 years. We will not have aged one day. We will still look the same. There will be no trouble. There will be no heartaches. There will be no anxiety. No sorrow. No cancer. The prophet said there will be no dirt mounted up to form a little yellow sod bank.
There'll be no mama weeping over her baby who's died. Praise God. For we will have entered into the eternal. Blessed Lord God, we magnify your name tonight, Lord Jesus. Oh, we feel that eternal presence of the Almighty in this place. Lord, we know for many, they can only embrace the Son. Because the Son was in time. Molecules, atoms, light meters, bled, died, cried. This is all the so much of Christianity can even identify with. But we're so grateful. We not only can identify with the Son, but we can identify with the eternal. Hallelujah. For we know you are not a man. Hallelujah. You are light. You are fire. Praise be to God. When there was no light meters, you was there. When there was no atoms, no molecules, no dust, you were there. Glory be to God in the endless eternity. There you were and you dwelt along with your thoughts. But the prophet said, you'll never do that again. As a matter of fact, you're not doing it tonight. Because we are part of those thoughts that are manifest. Now we're having communion. I hope the people can see right here tonight in this service. The eternal has come down and shared part of his great eighth day plan with us. We have sat at his table. We have ate the bread at the hand of Adonai. Glory be to God. And as you sat there that day on the way to Emmaus and broke the bread and their eyes were open and they recognized it was you. So if we sit here in this place tonight, Lord God, and you have broke the bread of life and we have recognized it wasn't some little Kentucky preacher, it was you. It was you, Lord God, that saved us. It was you that redeemed us, Lord. We wasn't looking for you. It was you looking for us. It's not us, oh God, it's you. Thank you, Lord God. Thank you, Lord God. Blessed one, we worship you. Oh, great Jehovah. Oh, will somebody help me just love him a little? Oh, praise be to God. Praise be to God. I always feel sorry for the folks who work at Walmart and all them places the day after Christmas. Them great big return lines and people's wanting to return this and that and the other. I'll tell you one thing, if you ever get Jesus, you'll never stand in any return line. You never want to take him back. You will want more, I warn you, before you get him. He'll make you thirst so bad you won't be able to stand it. Oh, glory to God, the more you're in his presence, the more you want. And the more you feed on his word, the more you want. And when you get in His presence, you won't want to leave. And when you hear His Word talked about, you say, God, can we go tonight? Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. Praise be to Jehovah. I can see so long ago. On the seventh morning we are told 
the volcanic strut and were pushed away. The Holy Spirit brooded over the earth. Amen. And life, it came. The next, I can see a man. He was a part of the Father's plan. But alas, that man, he fell. But Father knew he would, so he provided a land. Now we're living so close, can't you see? When that seventh morning will dawn for you and me. Once again, the earth will cool. Oh, glory to God. On our axis, she'll stand upright in the morning spirit. It will brew. No more death, no crying, no sorrow. When the seventh morning dawns for me and you, the son of David will reign on his throne. Glory to God will be resurrected. Jerusalem will be our new home. There'll be a thousand years of peace. There'll be a thousand years of peace. There'll be no crying there. Oh, blessed be the Lord God. the dawn of that seventh morning at the dawn of that seventh morning but then the seventh day will end glory to God and the eighth it will begin. Blessed be the Lord God. The earth will be born again. Blessed Lord God. Blessed Lord God. The city that John saw will come down and land. Amen. the Lamb, and the Lord God will be upon him, and therefore ever you will be. 
all throughout eternity. When your eighth day, when it finally dawns, when your eighth day, it finally dawns. Oh, blessed be the Lord God. Blessed be the Lord God. Blessed be the Lord God. And John said, I saw no temple for the Lord God and the Lamb are the temple thereof. And there shall be no night there. And the gates will not be shut at all at night. For there shall be no night there. Praise God. Look at your soul. There's no night there. Why? The gates aren't shut since you've been burst into this eternal light. You've always got joy. You're living behind the veil where the sun never sets. Praise God. Let's pray together. I'll let you go. Oh, Jesus, I just wish we could leave tonight. What a way to go straight from here in the rapture. Praise God. Our souls aren't sad. They're not sorrowful. Never down, never weary. But our bodies sure can be Lord and our spirits. We know that Satan's tactic, according to Daniel, in the last days would be to wear out the saints. Many times, you know, it's not the great old big battles that we face that's one day at a time, but it's those little battles that are day in and day out, and we do better, and then it hits us again. So like Paul's thorn, that he would get better, and he would have victory over it, and then it'd hit him again, knock him down, and he'd get back up and hit him again. Satan tries to wear us out with these things, Lord. But how we're longing for the day when, according to Daniel again, the saints will take the kingdom away from him. Lord, we're not taking Rome so much. We're not taking Cappadocia and Macedonia. We're taking our bodies. Praise God. He still likes to laugh in our face. Because even though our souls are redeemed... He still likes to laugh at us with high blood pressure and sickness and weariness and say, you're, you're saved, are you? You're redeemed, are you? You're the bride. Ha, ha, ha. And yet you're so sick and you're so weary. But we'll take that kingdom from him. The prophet said, you see that navel, it's a sign of a renegade. But one day when we get a new body, we'll be changed. He'll have no more claim on us. Lord, give us faith and strength and courage until that hour arrives, Lord Jesus. We love you, Father, so much. Thank you for this little simple service tonight. Go with us now and pray. 
Bring us back this weekend, Lord, if it be pleasing to you, and speak to us once again. We love you, Father. In Jesus' name. And the saints said, Amen. Don't you love him? Amen. Don't you want to go to that, oh my, that blessed place? Thanks be to God. Turn and shake hands with somebody in town. It's been good to be in the house of the Lord. It's been good to be in the house of the Lord, Brother Samuel, Brother West, Brother Fred, all you brothers and sisters. Bit good to be in the house of the Lord. Don't you want to go to that land? Don't you want to go to that land? Don't you want to go to that land where I'm bound? Oh, don't you want to go to that land? Don't you want to go to that land? Don't you want to go to that land where I'm bound? Saints, come expecting this weekend. So glad to have Brother Andrew and Sister Mariah. She's here somewhere, I guess, tonight. No, she is back there in the back. God bless y'all. So glad to have them visiting with us tonight. Amen. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Come up and speak to the people, Brother Andrew, and dismiss them. Greet you this evening in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. We certainly have enjoyed the word here tonight, haven't we? Amen. It certainly is good to be a Christian. Amen. Let's just bow our heads together and we'll pray once again. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you this evening, dear God, for the word that we've heard. Lord, we thank you for that we haven't heard something, oh God, to tickle our ears, Lord. But Father, we've heard something of reality tonight, dear God. Something that, Lord, won't just make us feel good on this earth, but it'll change our bodies. Father, we pray you'll help us to take it home and apply it to our lives, dear God. 
Lord, may you bless our brother tonight, Lord, who labored not feeling well in his body, O oh God. May you touch him tonight, Lord, and give him strength, Father. Lord, as we would leave this place tonight, dear God, may we take these things and feed upon them, Lord. We love you tonight, God. We thank you for your mercy and grace. We ask these things in the wonderful name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. God bless you all this evening. Don't you want to go? Don't you want to go to that land? Don't you want to go to that land where the bride's bound? Don't you want to go to that land? Don't you want to go to that land?